good morning or afternoon or evening. Or wherever you're listening, really. Yeah. It could be midday. Yeah. But we still love you and we're still happy you're here. This is the Entertain Us Podcast. I'm here with Emil. Daniel. And I'm here with Naomi. Bilak. Who is an amazing... Ballet dancer. Ballet dancer. All the way from New York City. Now, I actually knew Naomi basically my whole life. Now, we actually grew up neighbors. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew you for a very, very long time. And you actually went away to school two years ago now. Yes, two years ago. To Joffrey Ballet School in New York. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. About what it's like to move away to follow a passion. What it's like Mm -hmm. to perform in a different city. And what it's like to travel back and forth performing. Uh, before we do that, Emil, how's your week been? My week's been pretty good, pretty good. Anything exciting happening in the world of Emil Daniel? Yeah, man, I'm going to Niagara Falls, going to Great Wolf Lodge, and we're relaxing. It's going great. Wow, you're going to have the best time with all those 12-year-olds I there, know, right? Wow. <laughs> Naomi, you do anything exciting this week? Uh, unfor- oh, I am going to go to Florida soon eventually, so hopefully I'll get some sun instead of my pale... Uh, life that I live right now, living in New York and staying in the studio and uh, not getting any sunlight. So, yeah. going I'll back and forth some. from the dark studio in New York yeah. to nice snowy Toronto. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> living the life. Well, for all our friends out there, we're not in anywhere much warmer right now. We're in a dark basement, <laughs> but <laughs> we're still here to have some fun. So, Naomi, um, what made you decide to move away for school? I'm sure there's different dance schools in Toronto. What was the first thing you thought about when you wanted to do dance professionally? Uh, well, I knew that Toronto, um, or Canada in general, unfortunately might not have like so many opportunities to uh, get out there and become a professional ballet dancer. They have opportunities like uh, the National Ballet of Canada or uh, Royal Winnipeg, but um, uh, A, there were certain circumstances or... Uh, uh, things that I couldn't uh, meet for their needs, like Royal Winnipeg has a height restriction. I'm 5'2", and they require someone who's 5'4". Really? That's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so there are things that uh, you have to take into consideration when you're looking for schools and things like that. Um, But I chose New York because I thought... A, everyone goes to New York. Auditions go to New York. Many companies go to New York just to um, uh, get themselves out there and everything. So New York is a great place to get yourself known and get out there. And uh, Joffrey had a really good reputation. So I auditioned for them and I got in and I said, you know what, this is a good place for me to grow and become the person I need to become in order to uh, make it in this industry. So... I chose to go to New York because it was probably one of the best places to start, you know, growing and everything. So, yeah. Right. So what was um, your like journey into the industry, right? Into being a professional dancer? So, what was that like? Uh, I, difficult. <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah. I woke up one morning and wow, I had 40 contracts at my front door. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I wish, you know. Um, so I went, well, when I was young, I started dancing for fun, you know, your parents, they put you in programs and everything to burn off steam or energy or whatever you mm-hmm. need to do. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they didn't think I would actually go through with this, but, um, so I didn't really start wanting to do ballet professionally until maybe high school. Okay. Um, so... 
before then it was just like after school programs and I was like okay yeah maybe I'll just continue with it because it's fun why not I, I enjoy myself and then uh, high school came around and I was like you know what this is actually something that I really want to do and I started to have to think about oh, okay I'm a little behind now in my technique and the way that I do ballet I need to push myself more and mm -hmm. try and like come to that physical point where uh I can consider myself to be more um, professional and the technique will get better and everything. So I worked really hard at training your body and training your mind to do the things that you need to do in ballet is uh, physically and mentally demanding and having someone like a teacher tell you that you need to look at yourself in the mirror and practically not hate yourself but you're never going to be satisfied with yourself and you mm -hmm. always need to be able to be better and your leg needs to be higher and your feet need to be pointed more. And so I worked so hard um, in Canada first to try and get myself to that level in order to audition for New York. And then right. once I got into New York, that was like the start of really getting into the grind and everything. So I got to New York and they were like, go, 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 like don't stop and you have to push yourself to the maximum and I'm training from 8.30 to 5 almost every wow. day. Yeah, dancing nonstop and sometimes 8.30 to 8 p.m. depending on how many rehearsals we have in a day. So uh, lots of fun, but it's all worth it. All the grind, all the all the blood, sweat and tears are all worth it. <laughs> 100%. That's a really important thing in everything is the hours and hours of practice. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can, uh, you know, go from being a high school student to being a professional dancer, a professional magician. So I think high school is a really big changing point in a lot of our mm -hmm. lives. I can, I can tell you in my own life, Around grade 11 is when I started saying, okay, I really need to decide now what I'm going to do professionally. Because mm -hmm. I need to decide what I'm going to do for university really soon. So um, I think that's a point where a lot of us actually have to think about our futures rather than just going day by day. Because I know when I was younger, I was performing magic a lot. Right. But it was always, you know, just because I loved doing it. I never really thought about doing it professionally. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of a big step to take. But going back to those practices, um, even throughout high school and starting in high school mm -hmm. and all the way over to the Joffrey Ballet School in New York, you said a great point that is watching your practices, all your practices. So going in front of a mirror or filming, mm -hmm. that's something I learned to do in magic too. I actually got in my magic office, all the walls turned into mirrors mm -hmm. so you could watch yourself practice. Because as much as other people can give you advice and try to help you and say, okay, this is what to change, you're still going to know. And you're still yeah. going to want to put your own little style into it. You're still going to want to do something you like. And yeah. you're going to know yourself the most. Yeah. So just watching yourself and being able to say, okay, I could have you know, done that step a little different mm -hmm. is always great. And that's as simple as just throwing your phone down on a chair and just filming yourself. Exactly. And like, it's all, it, it, that's a good point because... As Like you said, as much as like teachers or whoever or mentors can tell you what you need to do, it's ultimately up to you mm -hmm. on how to do it and how to right. approach the step and how to better yourself because they can say it 1,500 times, like a certain correction or what you need to do properly, but it's up to you to be able to actually pursue that step or pursue that movement and um, like nail it, you know what I mean? Because they can't do it for you. Right. No, Only you can do you're it not a puppet. They're no. not yeah. gonna pick you up by the strings attached to your legs and arms. Pinocchio exactly. style. Pinocchio yeah. style it. Exactly. Now, even going back before high school, um, just starting 
as a youth starting younger in dancing. Now, I know a lot of people have a connotation or thought in their head that, you know, you need to start something when you're really young to be good at it. You need to start your sports really young. You know, you need to be born into magic, you know. But with that practice and anything and finding the right resources, you can start at any age. Yeah, exactly. That's just what we're conditioned to think that, you know, we need to start everything when we're young. We need to have a family when we're young. But there's no really time limit on anything. Mm -hmm. Now, as a dancer... What would you say are some good steps if you want to get into it? Let's say you're brand new and you're young. You're still in high school. You're still in elementary mm -hmm. school. And you would want to possibly do it professionally. Mm -hmm. Would you suggest going to you know, a dance studio or picking up some dance programs? Or what different types of classes? Would you yeah. suggest doing all different genres or focusing in on one genre of dance? Yeah, well, uh, to first talk about... Um, it, wanting to do it professionally if you're starting late. Um, unfortunately, ballet is that that art or that um, athletic art form where <clears throat> you do need to start a little young um, just to try and build up the uh, the muscle uh, mobility and the, the range of mobility of uh, your body and what you can do. But unfortunately, I didn't have the actual training when I was young, so I did start late. But um, I, I would say... Wait, sorry, yeah. to late being, like, what age, roughly? High school. I started to really want to do oh, it in okay. high school. So grade 9, I was like, what? Like, what? Uh, 14, 13, 13. Yeah. Around yeah. there. So, um, uh, but any time before that, uh, your muscles start to develop. Right. So th that's why teachers will say, you need to stand in first position for at least five hours so your muscles can get used to it. Not five hours, I'm over. <laughs> okay, but... I was about to say, like, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but it sounds like yeah. American Gladiators yeah, or something. Like, <laughs> um, but like, no, hold up. They, they make you do it for a long time and, cer and simple, small things just so your body can get used to it, but uh, I never had that training, so... Um, what I would recommend because I started so late is you really have to want it. You have to want it more than you want air right? to breathe because um, ballet is so hard and so physically demanding and mentally, uh, mentally demanding that if you don't want it and you don't love it, you're not going to make it. So I, if you have that passion for it already, then yeah, I'd get to a studio. I would seek a mentor because um, honestly, having a mentor that would help you a lot, um, it, they'll push you and they'll get you through um, the challenges that you face with ballet or with anything that you do. Uh, like, I'm sure you've had like mentors or whatever. 100%, you know, like, yeah. 100%. You through. Yeah, and so having the tools and everything, and then also watching videos I find help. Like, you go through Instagram and everything, and sometimes you'll see like magicians do something. Like, wow, that's really interesting. I really want to be able to do that. So um, I find that looking at videos and seeing other professional dancers doing things that you want to do help motivate and help actually uh, make you look and critique yourself like, oh, she's doing it differently. Maybe I can do it differently and that will help me uh, with everything. But I really think if you really want it, you can't give up, you know? 100%. It's, and that's it's a great yeah. point uh, with yeah. YouTube available to everyone out mm -hmm. there. There's so many great resources, even master classes. If anyone wants to go and check that website out, they have tons of different, just like mentors, they have these experts and, you know, top of their field professionals teaching what they're best at. Mm -hmm. So you can specifically learn. And uh, the, that's great with YouTube. I know personally, me and my beatboxer Francis, we're trying to learn some dance. Mm -hmm. So we're on YouTube all the time looking up uh, different dance videos and right. everything like that. 
But I do have a question for you mm-hmm. um, about mentorship because I know that could be really helpful. Even just growing up with my dad, mm-hmm. being a performer, I was able to learn a whole lot about performing and clowning and being silly and doing mm-hmm. magic through him. But how would you go out and find a mentor? Let's say you're not lucky enough to have someone in your family or a close friend who already does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, going to studios, uh, even if you want to do drop-in studios, like um, I also do drop-in studios in New York when Joffrey's not doing their uh, teaching or anything. So, And sometimes you find teachers that you really like and teachers who like you and are willing to commit some time to help you get better and everything. So... Um, going to drop-in classes, I think, is the best thing, even if you don't go to a school. I do go to a school, so I do have some mentors there. Um, my director, uh, Miss Era, she's really um, a, a big mentor for me. She helps motivate me and teaches me all the correct... Yeah, so uh, my director and teacher, Miss Era, who is a big mentor for me, um, she helps motivate me and she helps push me um, and she helps me with uh, the technical uh, demands and technique that I need to succeed in my career and she uh, she really helps guide me um, whether it's tough love or real love she helps me so right. <laughs> and that's an important thing too just like you said tough love tough love mm-hmm. still love yeah and that's basically constructive criticism and you can never be scared of constructive yeah. criticism because exactly. that's how you're gonna grow yeah. so the second you start defending yourself or taking something too personally is when you're going to stop that growth and you're going to stop that improvement. Yeah, exactly. I I have an important question. I want to know, is the stereotype of ballet teachers being super strict true? (laughs) Um, That's funny. Yeah. Because I can't even think of a movie that that comes from, but you're right, that is a stereotype. Right? In my mind... In my mind, Russian... And hella strict. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I do train with Russian ballet da- uh, ballet dancer teachers, um, but yeah, they are strict. Uh, you you can't not be strict when okay, you're in right. ballet. Ballet is so A B C, like black and white. You can't yeah you you can't not be strict with it. But um, there is a point of being strict, and then there's a point of being mean. Right. So I've had teachers who were mean. And that's really un unmotivational, and you feel like, why am I doing this? You know what I mean. So there's a fine line between teaching properly and with motivation. You can still be strict and say like, no, ladies, you need to do it again because it's not right, and you know it's not right because the teacher doesn't have to tell you it wasn't right. You know yourself, it's not yeah. right, and uh, uh, it's just yeah. I think having that like that umph that that strict quality to them really helps motivate you to do it right because you you don't want to disappoint yourself, but you also don't want to disappoint them with what you right. do. There's that pressure so. about mm-hmm. like and others around. 100%. That's a great thing with collaboration is it's not just your project, it's someone else's too. Yeah. Or it's not just your dance that you're doing, you know, this teacher is teaching you, it's showing off their skills too. Yeah. What I am as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So... These people around you, these people in your team, they want you to succeed. Exactly. Just as much as they want themselves to succeed. Yeah, exactly. So that's another great thing just about collaborating. Now, you did say you had some teachers that will give you the, no, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Or they won't be constructive, more just right. putting down. Maybe it's because, you know, they think they know more. There could be a hundred different reasons. But how did you overcome you know, that negativeness. Because I know I had, when I started my magic, a lot of people, even in my family, and my cousins and my friends around me saying, 
you know, you're not going to be able to make a career to that. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you overcome the no? Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. It was difficult. There were a lot of people that were saying, like, it's too late for you. Like, I don't think you'll be able to make it. Like, you, uh, the foundation is not there. You're not strong enough to do it. And, uh, like, having some teachers that would say, like, oh, you're just doing it wrong. There's no hope for you. Is literally, it's so down, like, downing, like, so depressing. But I think you have to, you have to block it out. What I did was I said, no, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm going to do it because, because I know I can do it. Because I have that motivation. And I have that drive. And why, why, why are you going to tell me what I need to do? You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, yeah, I think you just, not ignore them. Take it, take it in. Why not take it in? And then say, you know what, I'm going to prove you wrong because I know I can do it for a fact and you're going to see and I'm going to prove you wrong. So. Yeah, I, did a, I did that with a math teacher in grade 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, oh, you should take applied math next year. And I was like, that's not happening. <laughs> and so, because I had a 60 in her class. And then the next year I took academic math and I got an 85 and oh, I got great, my report card and I went to her class. I was like, hey, miss, look what I got in math. <laughs> and she never caught exactly. him cheating once. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, you have to have the motivation and everything to do it. Turn the negativity to positivity. Exactly. I know another thing that can tie right into that is comparing yourself, even to a teacher. Mm -hmm. Because I know even the people that taught me how to do a few things, I would look at their own shows when I was starting in Magic. And it comes out of jealousy, I think, is one of the big reasons. And that might not be in a negative way. It might just be because you admire them so much without yeah. even realizing it. That you're just jealous that they have this show or that they're doing something or mm-hmm. performing in venues that you want to, too. So do you think it's a good thing? I think that comparing yourself can be constructive because mm-hmm. you can say, okay, this guy I think is the best children's performer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at his show compared to mine and see why he gets a better reaction. Okay, yeah. I think that's a positive way. But when you go into it being like, damn, this person's really good. I want to be better than them. I think mm-hmm. that's when you're hurting yourself because you're not focusing on making yourself better. You're just focusing on being better than someone else mm-hmm. instead of being the best you can be. So have you ever had to deal with basically comparing yourself to other dancers? Oh, yeah, every day. Every day you do. Uh, uh, you don't intentionally do it, you know what I mean? But it just happens that, like, your leg is at maybe, uh, like, almost 180, and this girl's at, like, past 180, and you're like, oh, well, I want to get my leg that high. I mean, friendly competition is really good. Um, It starts to get to a point, though, where you have to realize that, like, uh, I don't have the same facilities that this girl has. Mm. Like, maybe I'm not as flexible, or my my joints physically can't do what she can do. So you have to say to yourself, I need to be the best that I can be, and if... If it if I can't be as good as her, then that's okay. I just need to be as good as what I know I can be. So that's a really important thing to remember when just moving forward into whatever arts or whatever passion you're doing. Because comparing yourself and saying, "Okay, this person can do something I can't. I'm not good enough." It's not true. Because mm-hmm. we all have our individual skills that we're amazing at. Mm-hmm. Something you can do, I'm sure that that other person couldn't. Do. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So you're always going to have skills that you can do that other performers can't. And other performers are always going to have skills that they can do that you can't. But it's just remembering there's tons of opportunities out there. This right. is a giant exactly. world. Yeah. We all can be successful. Mm-hmm. And when one person's good, someone goes to a ballet show and they love that ballet mm-hmm. show, they're going to go back to another ballet show. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly, exactly. I, I, I 100% agree. 
and not that not that competition is a bad thing but like having that drive to be like oh like i like what how she turns or whatever and you can change things on how you turn or whatever and saying like okay my goal is to be able to turn almost like her and be able to pull off five pirouettes why not just and it's good competition it's good like a good drive to have in the back mm-hmm. of your mind but remembering that like you're not her right no, it's you friendly. Can't, yeah you can't do what she can do because you don't have the same facility so friendly competition is always good speaking of the friendly competition i was just watching an episode a couple of days ago of gordon ramsay's kitchen oh, nightmares oh, yeah. <laughs> i love that show now he actually did something that i thought was it was pretty cool to motivate staff and i guess you could do the same thing like this in a dance studio full of dancers um with instead of serving items hitting moves so what gordon ramsay did with his servers in the kitchen they weren't selling enough of the items on the menu so he put a little uh, bingo chart in the back with everyone's name on it with each food item so each server would have to sell each of those items. And once they sold it, they could cross it off. And the first person to get bingo, to fill up each of those squares and to sell each item, would win a prize. Even if it's just bragging rights. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? So that's something I guess you could do in a big practice, you know? Hit all these moves, practice all these moves. First person that hits all these moves. Exactly, yeah. So there's always friendly competition, and that's just for fun. So there's different ways Mm -hmm. to, you know, motivate each other while doing it in a a game sort of way. Yeah. Who knew we'd be comparing Kitchen Nightmares to Ballet? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love that Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> love it. Now, um, you went to Joffrey, which is a ballet company. Yes? Or is it a ballet school? Because uh, I want to sort of talk about the difference between a ballet school and a ballet company. I don't know the difference. Uh, well, Joffrey specifically is like a... So they, there is a Joffrey Ballet Company, but they're not affiliated with the school. Oh, okay. So they won't feed their kids. That to go the to, company. Yeah, to the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Joffrey Ballet Company is in, I think it's Chicago. Okay. Before you even say that, to anyone out there who doesn't know what a dance company is, what's a dance company? So uh, that is where you get paid to perform, whereas what? you are paying to get schooled. Yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yeah, the, some companies will go on tour and perform a whole bunch of different ballets and new pieces, even contemporary pieces and everything. Um, and yeah, it's just basically like a Broadway show, except you're not doing the same thing every single day. A Broadway show, you'll perform Aladdin every right. single day. Yes. Uh, whereas a ballet company, you're going to perform different pieces, Nutcracker, Sleeping Beauty, uh, Swan Lake, Giselle, a whole bunch of different uh, ballets and everything. Sometimes you go on tour, sometimes you stay where you are. Um, whereas a school, you are being taught. You're being taught um, the technique, you're being taught... Um, how to act, you're being taught a whole bunch of different things to get you into the company that you want to be into. So, so at what point can you make the transition? Like, is it kind of like a like university or college? Where you have to do like two to four years. Like, how does it work? Like, what's yeah. the process? So, um, uh, if you're lucky, you're if you're lucky and you're in, um, let's say the Royal Ballet in London, and you've been in their school because they feed their kids into the company what would happen is you go there when you're i think yeah young enough in elementary school so you'll start in elementary school and then you'll go through high school and then they give you like a a post secondary program 
or it'd be like an apprenticeship or a second company that will help prepare you for the real company. So they'll give you shows to do with the real company and you don't get paid, but you get paid in pointies because pointies are very expensive. So okay. it takes out a lot of uh, cash nice. and everything. Yeah, and burns a hole sure. in your wallet. Something that you would need to get anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. That's um, useful. But yeah, so during that period of being an apprenticeship or a second company member, um, that's when you get really prepared for uh, the real world, for performing 24-7 and finishing at 11 o'clock at night because, you know, you have a performance at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock and, you know, you get home at 11 and you go to bed and you start the whole day again from 10 o'clock at the day. So um, that's when they prepare you. Um the school that I'm at right now is like a post-secondary program. Okay. Um, but they don't do the whole performance, um, everyday kind of thing. And uh, it's more or less uh, for teaching uh, and for learning more before you go into another program, which would be like a second company or mm-hmm. an apprenticeship. So it you are on the road it's not like you're doing after school programs of just ballet in the evening no i'm doing i'm dancing 24 7 like every day which helps you prep for a company Mm -hmm. just not in the apprenticeship program well you do more performance so it'd be the same as for example like comparing what my little brother is doing in school so he um is in school for plumbing so he did Mm -hmm. you know he classes in plumbing so when he would be sitting at a desk learning you'd be in a studio dancing Mm -hmm. then he would have to go out and find an apprenticeship to work for a plumbing company Mm -hmm. once he'd done the schooling so once he'd done that you know, you went out and found a job. And same thing, you went out and found a company. Right. Now, can you? I don't know how companies work and how many different dance companies are out there. But let's say you were an independent dancer. You grew up dancing in your basement every day. And um, you finished high school. And you wanted to go right to a company. Or do all these companies require you to go through schooling? Uh, they require you to have a certain amount of... Well, you can see it. You can't cheat ballet. <laughs> no. It's no, impossible. No. no. So, I mean... We can you, cheat at magic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the whole point, really. Like, um, yeah, so if you grew up dancing in your basement every day, uh, they won't necessarily look at you. You you have a resume. You say, I came from the school of Joffrey. I trained at this school. I trained at this school. I did this many performances. Mm-hmm. I had this role, this soloist role this uh this core role uh so um you set you submit your resume and you submit your videos to them and they take a look at you and they say either oh you don't have enough experience yet or they say yeah you have uh quite a bit of experience and we want you on in our company so you you can't necessarily so train in resume. your basement yeah yeah it's that yeah. resume that's really important yeah. so that's a good thing to know too um if you do want to get into dance resume is Almost everything. Yeah, it is. So, you know, go out and do local shows or volunteer, do whatever you can do Mm -hmm. um, to build up that resume Mm -hmm. and get some shows under your belt. Yeah, it's very important. So, Joffrey, I'm assuming they do, like, you guys do perform for, like, the the public, right? Yes, yeah. So, what's something you notice, like, in terms of the general demographic for ballet? Is it, like, very wide? Is it more specific? Well... I think it depends on the ballet. So recently mm-hmm. we just finished our Nutcracker, okay. which is like a staple ballet that everyone use, every company does. Right. And uh, the Nutcracker is catered to a family audience. Mm-hmm. So you would take your kids and you would take like your grandma and, you, and your mom and whoever you want because it's family, it's open to everyone. Whereas things like 
if you know about uh, Carmen or the Black like, Swan, yeah, well, <laughs> that's a uh, that's yeah, no. <laughs> I'm guessing you're not fond of the movie. Well, it's very stereotypical and very not ballet. So, yeah. okay. but um, yeah, if you went to something like like Carmen or Lady of Camillas or um, or uh, Manot, those are really intended for older audiences because there there is there are graphic scenes in it and um uh, you wouldn't take your child because they wouldn't understand it whereas nutcracker is very kid friendly and you yes. would understand it so it depends on the ballet that you're doing uh i think ballet should be for everyone i think everyone can appreciate ballet and the arts and everything so yeah that's something i find really interesting and one of the reasons why i wanted to start this podcast is just like your story right there and how you have different genres in your dance. You know, you can perform right. dance and ballet, which is already a specific part of dance. You can mm-hmm. perform that in so many different genres, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make it, you know, more dark. You can mm-hmm. have a fun and happy, you know, family yeah. show. It's the exact same thing with our magic. And I think it's the same thing you can do at any type of entertainment, mm-hmm. exactly. which is really cool because you can always make anything your own. It doesn't matter what it is. And you can always make it special for any type of audience. Mm-hmm which I think is really cool. Now, getting into doing something when you're younger, did you have any favorites? Any things that you would suggest, you know, someone to go throw up on YouTube and watch? Let's say they wanted to see a ballet. What were some of the ballets that inspired you? Because I'm sure there's so many different uh, productions, yeah, right? There are so many. Just like there's so many movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the Black Swan? No. <laughs> I don't mean ballet movies. <laughs> like movie movies. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I have a list of, like, ballets that I would love to do if I, um, was ever principal in a company and everything. I think what got me, um, actually really into ballet, well, well, first I saw The Nutcracker and I was, like, when I was very little and I said, Mom, that's what I want to do. So, that's how I did it. But Nutcracker is a staple and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, there's a certain point in time where you just, you listen to the music and you're like, okay, here we go again. You know what I mean? Because yeah, you yeah. do it so often. But uh, for my favorites would be uh, things like Giselle or Romeo and Juliet or uh, Swan Lake is also a really good one. Um, I really like uh, Carmen or Mano. They're, they're really beautiful um, ballets. I, I really like the ballets that may, maybe technique is very important, don't get me wrong, but maybe acting is more prominent in these ballets and you can really feel the emotion in these characters and everything so those are the ballets i would love to do and that i recommend because i feel like people can relate to them a little more than you know fairy princess la la land and all those things and so (laughs) that's awesome so there's some things to go and check out on youtube if you're interested in some ballet productions at all Mm -hmm. i think that's another great point you just said um is acting involved in the dance. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we can say that in magic, um, you know, in a magic show, you can throw in juggling, you can throw in singing, you can yeah. throw in dancing. There's so many different types of disciplines that you can put into what you're doing. So I think it's really interesting, even in dancing, it's not the only thing you're doing, right? right. You're still acting, mm-hmm. you know, you're still performing. What other pieces, that's what I want to really get at, what other different types of disciplines have you ever had to learn? Did you, you know, when you wanted to get into ballet, did you take an acting class? Or did you ever think, okay, maybe I'm going to learn to, to sing or to costume <laughs> yeah. or to learn a different genre of dance? Yeah, we do learn, uh, especially nowadays, uh, you have to learn different genres of dance. Majority, you need to learn modern and contemporary because those are pieces, or contemporary on point, 
those are pieces that are so important and so involved in ballet right now because ballet is evolving and it's not just about the big numbers of like Nutcracker and Swan Lake and all those things. Mm -hmm. It is about like different contemporary ballets and different movements of ballet. So having like those different genres of dance under your belt is super like super important and will be really good when you get into a company because you know what you're doing at that point in time. So if they throw a different movement at you and you know, it looks really challenging, but you know you can do it because you've taken a contemporary class or right. you've taken these different genres of uh, dance, it, it'll it help you for sure 100% in the company. So, yeah, you have to learn different genres of dance mm. 100%. I think I can relate that even back to schooling. Um, let's say you want to take an economics class. Mm -hmm. If you went and you took, you know, a finance class and all these different math classes before and you have a background in different things, it's just going to make it even easier for yeah, you. Exactly. So it's the more background you have, the more in the future it's going to make it that much easier mm -hmm. but that much more fun because you know you can do more yeah and you can exactly. say okay let me spread my wings a bit more and mm -hmm. switch it up exactly. yeah no i'm getting flashbacks to my first semester right now <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> i'm getting flashbacks to Surprisia. don't see that movie did you see that one <laughs> no. no i didn't no i didn't there's a there's a really great scene in the new one i don't know if i'd call it a great scene there's a scene you know a lot of people actually did like that movie but i was just sitting in the theater like staring at the screen not knowing what to think the whole time but there's a scene where they have a ballerina mm -hmm. and she's in one of the studios and she's dancing but she put some spell on another teacher who's in a different room so every time she would move that teacher's bones would bend to the way she's dancing oh, dear. so oh, they okay. had this ballerina just dancing um, all these different types of moves and the other lady in the other room's body was bending to all those moves and they let that scene go on for literally like five minutes Oy. and I'm like okay what is that I movie? get the point <laughs> all oh right yeah now, uh, that actually sort of gave me my own little question is we just named two ballet movies <laughs> those are the only two that I really know but um I'm sure they have, you know, other ballet oh, movies yeah. out there. What are some great movies to watch if you wanted to see something, you know, fun and not screwed up uh, yeah. <laughs> having to do with ballet? Um, there are ballet movies. Uh, I think there's First Position. There is, um, there's also movies that have ballet in them but are not, like, ballet movies, mm -hmm. like Step Up or... Yes. Or, uh, what's the one with Channing Tatum? Is that it? Is that uh, Match Mike? <laughs> That's funny, really funny. Magic um, Michael's a great ballerina. <laughs> oh yeah, great ballerina. Um, no, they're I, I, they're escaping me, but there are so many. I'm sure if you look them up, some of them are even on Netflix. Yeah, I'm for sure, sure. If and you Google look them up yeah. and everything. Um, or High Strong, High Strong's a really good one too. Step um, up. Step up, yeah. That's I did say it, yeah. Okay, yeah. then yeah. Camille knows all the Channing Tatum movies. <laughs> no cool Number one fan. <laughs> He has a Gambit poster on his wall, and the movie's not even coming out for a year. <laughs> I forgot that that's actually a thing now. It is. The Gambit movie with Channing All Tatum. All right, get off your Channing Tatum rant over here, Mr. Emil. <laughs> no, oh, I, 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 would, I would rant. I don't want to agree with that casting. But um, anyways. <laughs> now, um, I know that you perform a lot for your mom. Mm. So I want to speak a little bit about that, because I actually went down to New York City um, two years ago now. And I went with you and a few of your other dancers at the Joffrey Ballet School to perform at a few hospitals out in New York. Um, so we would go in and do shows for all the kids and the families mm -hmm. in there, which is just honestly one of the most amazing things, which we'll speak about and get into. Mm -hmm. But I want you to just speak about, um, first, what the charity is mm -hmm. that we both work with. Um, 
your first experience performing in a hospital, and we'll start there. Yeah, well, the charity is called Crafting for a Cure, and Crafting for a Cure, what they, uh, what, well, what uh, my mother does, because it is my mother who runs it, and singularly my mother who uh, usually takes care of everything and does the supplies and everything. We supply toys and crafts to children in hospitals, and we provide a distraction for them. Um, at first, it was just crafting and uh, giving out uh, the toys and everything, but now um, I decided, uh, I think it was about five years ago. And you created a program, yes. special right for it, yes. Yeah, I, I created the Smiles for All program where not only do we give toys and crafts, but we uh, dance for children in hospitals. Uh, ballerinas go in and we uh, dance for the kids um, in the hospital. And uh, it took off five years ago. I didn't think it would actually take off, but it did. Oh, it was yeah. really popular. All of the hospitals really wanted the ballerinas to come in and perform. Um, and that's what we do. And, uh, you know what, uh, it's called crafting for a cure. Um, we don't have a specific cure except to make all children smile when a hospital visit is necessary. So yeah, that's what we do. And that is huge because yeah. you really don't know how long you could be in a hospital and exactly. just for a family to sit there with their kid and having to just wait to not know what's going on and having to deal, mm -hmm. you know, with not being able to go home. Yeah. Just someone to alleviate that stress and just to take them out of the mind space they're in and just bring that smile for a little bit. Exactly. I know how big that can have an impact on yeah. someone. And that doesn't last just an afternoon. Mm -hmm. That could be life-changing. Mm -hmm. And that is something we're not saying because we do it. It's something that we see happen. It's something that we have parents that come up. I'm sure that you had lots of emails sent in. Oh, yeah. Um, just thanking, even months yeah. later. Exactly. And it's not something I'll forget about the next day. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really powerful. It's really important. I think every single performer out there should try to go out and to, to give back. Exactly. Right. Not just because it's the right thing to do, because it just feels so great. Oh, it feels And amazing. it really, really does change lives. Mm -hmm. It does. 100% uh, it, it does. I can't tell you the amount of times I've performed in hospitals and you see these kids and they're so down and they're so upset because, like, especially now during the holidays, if you see children in the hospital during holidays, it's just so, they're so upset because they want to be home and they don't want to be there right. and they're going through something so difficult and to go into a room and immediately brighten the atmosphere. The kid starts to smile and then the hardest part is watching the parents because they start to cry because their child is so happy when they're uh, going through something so terrible and it, it's so it's so rewarding, so rewarding. I can't, like, it, sometimes it's better than performing, you know? Right, and it kind of takes you back, like, within, like, your own, like, self to the sincere point of, like, appreciation. Mm -hmm. Um where it just even like when you get that feeling i feel like it improves for myself at least like it improves my performance exactly yeah um just that sincerity about it and like just gratitude is such a strong factor when yeah. it comes to some stuff like that it and is. yeah it just takes you back it does a lot yeah now um creating that program smiles for all mm -hmm. how did you first get in touch with you know, the right person at a hospital to give you permission to go in and perform. Because I do want to speak a little bit about now, if someone out there listening wanted to go out and do a hospital performance, how could they get in contact with Crafting for a Cure? So, you know, speak to your mom, Pamela, about mm -hmm. maybe performing with them, or even if they wanted to go out um, 
in a different city or different country and lo- contact their local hospital to go in and perform. How would you suggest doing that? Exactly. Well, you can get in uh, contact with Pamela if you visit the website uh, www.craftingforacure.ca, I believe. Um, and you visit the website. You have all the contact information there. You can email her or uh, call her. Um, and you can ask, hey, I'd love to be a part of either the Smiles for All program mm-hmm. or I'd love to go in and craft uh, with kids in the hospital because I, uh, you know, I have a passion for it. And um, she will give you the information. And usually what we do is we have to audition um, those who want to be a yes. part of the Smiles yes. for All program. Because right. it's very different than performing anywhere else. Exactly. I know I heard a few horror stories of people performing in hospitals. Yes. I yeah. heard once of me and my dad were out in Winnipeg. And we went to, I think, I don't remember the name of the hospital. It was a children's hospital out there. And we went in and they had a little studio. And we went in and they actually filmed us and broadcasted us to all the rooms. Mm-hmm. But they told us once they had a juggler come in. And he brought out torches and went to lit. Oh, his wow. torch. Now, I don't know if you know this, but hospitals are actually pumped with extra oxygen. Yeah. So lighting anything in a hospital, extremely bad idea. Yes. So um, it's very different than performing anywhere else. You know, you can't do a lot of things that, you know, let's say you're a magician. You shouldn't do a mouth coil, anything that's putting stuff in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Something that yes. a kid could copy and get more germs. So it, yeah. it is very different experience performing in a hospital, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. The floors are different as for ballet dancers. They're very slippery. Uh, you have to be very careful. The things that we do in hospitals are completely different than the things that we do mm-hmm. in studios. It's a lot of, like, uh, I'm going to say a French term, but um, it's a lot of port bras which is, like, upper body movements and a lot of smiling and face things that you can do. Not a lot of... A lot of... Well, you need technique, but you... Uh, majority of the time are not moving so much because, A, you're doing bedside visits and the rooms are very small and you're also on slippery floors so you don't want to hurt yourself doing it and you don't want to make the choreography so challenging that you can't do it in the hospital. So, um, yeah, you need to have good technique, a nice personality and be able to talk to kids. So, yeah. (laughs) That's true. Those are really good points. Um, another thing you need to be really good at too is I learned this and I'm sure you've seen it a million times is when you go in a hospital your show has to be able to be performed for 100 people mm-hmm. or for one person. Yes. Going in a hospital you never know how big of a crowd you're going to have who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. When we see one kid in the audience we're happy because we know no one has to be in the hospital at that time. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But you can go in at a, a rough time and you can have an audience for 20 kids so you yeah. could go in and perform for a kid that can't even really pay attention and their parents. Yeah. So you always have to be prepared when going into a, um, a hospital or a charity event like that, even a safe haven, mm-hmm. um, and be ready to switch your performance. And you have to be able to be really flexible. Right. Whether have different numbers mm-hmm. that you could do, you know, more for infants and really small kids or more mm-hmm. for adults or have magic routines or have songs, you know, you could sing a Frozen song or you could go and sing, you know, Michael <laughs> Jackson go. song. Yeah. <laughs> go. But, um, it is very different. Now, I was going to sort of ask you, have you ever had any really crazy stories performing in a hospital? Or any really touching emotional stories? Uh, well... Or it doesn't uh, even have to be in a hospital, because I know we do a lot of charity events, and right. we do a lot of charity events, so even outside of the hospital, just working for Crafting for a Cure, have you ever had any really crazy or really emotional? Well, I've had one, not really crazy, just like really shocking um, story, and it, it's not even like a 
long story. Uh, one day we were going through, uh, I think it was the hospital in Harlem, and there um, you have to go through the emergency room to get to uh, a pediatric ward. So as we went through the emergency room, I think there was like someone coming in with a gunshot wound and everything, and I had oh, to God. tell, yeah, I had to, uh, I had to tell all the girls that you just need to look down and walk, <laughs> just just keep going and so that that sometimes you do come across things like that and you do have to have like the gut to like yeah surpass it and just whatever whatever happens whatever happens is fine um that and like performing for children that are terminally ill is always difficult Mm -hmm. when you know that um there's no end to it and it's so unfortunate um you have to really keep your composure and um just smile and think everything's going to be okay because for that moment or that second or the amount of time that you're performing everything will be okay you know so um and recently I actually because unfortunately my mom uh struggles with some health issues I recently performed for her for the first time in a hospital so yeah so that was that was uh pretty emotional yeah that was really nice and I thought um, it was like, wow. She she told me, wow, it's even better when you're the patient. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> great. More, more, yeah. encore, dance, monkey, dance. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, that's hilarious. But, yeah. I mean, 100%, um, it, it can be very hard, and it could be a struggle not to even cry in the room. Yeah. But you got to remember, too, as a performer, that as much as you're doing it for the kid, you're doing it for the parents, exactly. too. Exactly. Yeah. And you got to be strong for them. Mm-hmm. Because you can go outside that room and cry after, oh, yeah. but you want to give them that good time. Exactly. Because that's a memory they're they're always going to remember. Yeah. yeah. Right? Imagine imagine this, just in your mind. You know, a month stay at a hospital, same thing every day, same food, you're stuck in a bed, mm-hmm. and you're sick. Yeah. And you terrible. don't know if you're going to get better. Yeah. It's... How happy would you be just to have someone just for you that they're doing it just for you that came there to perform for you to spend time with you to talk to you like a a normal person to make you sort of forget about being there and when you put it in in the bigger picture of everything it it is a huge thing Mm -hmm. i know one thing that i had to learn at hospitals too was you never want to ask too many questions by too many questions is you don't want to talk about What's wrong, what the illness is, what Mm -hmm. issues are, how long you've been in the hospital, how long you're going to be there. Because your job's not to be a doctor. Your job's to make them happy for that little bit of time you're there. Mm -hmm. You're a distraction. So that's a really important thing to remember, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Even doing any charity gig. And it's for any type of kids. You don't want to, as you're performing for the kids, sort of bring up anything with illness. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, there, there were some really hard times where, uh, I think, um, I was, I went to Chicago for a specific boy, um, cause he had a wish, that was his wish, uh, he wanted to see dancers, um, and he wanted to be with dancers, and, uh, this terminally ill boy, mm-hmm. um, we danced for, and I remember specifically doing my variation and trying so hard not to cry, and then after finishing it, going to the bathroom and, like, letting out some of the tears just so I can go back out there and smile. Yeah, it's really difficult. So whatever makes them happy is so worth it. And Right. It is. And it is. This is life-changing, how you'll see. And I think it's just like in high school, they tell you it's mandatory to do your community hours. 
See, we're kids at that point, and we can be stubborn and say, I don't want to be forced into doing this. Why am I working for free? But it's not the work that the school is trying to make you do. It's the experience of giving back, mm -hmm. of doing something not for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that can really change the way you see things. And I think that's really important to do outside of high school, on your own, with right. something you really love doing. Mm -hmm. So if you are a performer, I think it's going to be a huge experience, and it will change the way you see the world around you going on and performing on your own. Because it gives you, you know, it sort of justifies the work that you do. Mm -hmm. That You know what? I can change a life doing what I do, you know? Mm -hmm. That what I do, my job, and my work has an impact, and it's meaningful. And I think just having that experience, it really is life-changing. Mm -hmm. Now, I do have a couple that I could share. and uh, But, Emil, I want to ask you first if you ever had any really emotional experiences performing at all. No, I'm pretty new to actually performing for Republic. I've only been doing it for, like, the past two years. Nice. Uh, and so I haven't had anything like that as of yet. Um, but I have had kids, like, after my show, come up to me and be like, hey, I'm going to do magic now. And I don't know if they're still doing it, if they actually pursued it, but having someone, like, having knowing that I inspired someone to go do something they wouldn't have done otherwise, that made it all worth it to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I guess that's the closest that I can relate to. Oh, that's huge. These, yeah. But, yeah. And yeah, just uh, personally growing up with my dad and with your mom, Pamela's Crafting mm -hmm. for a Cure charity, um, even when my dad was back in high school, back when my dad was in high school, he had his own cable TV show, Due to the Clown Show, and oh, it yeah. was ridiculous, it was not scripted, he had all his friends on, his random characters, but uh, even back then, he started doing hospital visits, and he would go in to charities in every city, so growing up, starting to perform with him, and then getting involved with the charity... Um, and even at the fairs, whenever we were at a fair or festival and they would have, you know, a charity day, open the fair early to bring in special needs kids or sick kids, we would always donate ourselves mm -hmm. um, to do that. Or even flying to a different city and saying, on behalf of this fair, we're going to go out to the hospital and do a show for the kids. Uh, being in a fair environment and performing for sick children was a really new experience for me this year. Because um, normally I was just used to going to the hospitals mainly. Mm -hmm. Or the shelter. Like we used to do the safe havens, which are the the children and the teenagers who are bound to their wheelchairs, who mm -hmm. are usually paralyzed and can't really move. Mm -hmm. So it's a great place for parents who just need a relaxer, or, you know, a week, right. just a week break um, to, to send their kids off to. So we went in and we performed there. But performing at a fair is different when you're in the midst of doing your normal show. Because mm -hmm. I can say from experience, this past September, I was doing a show for a bunch of sick children in London, Ontario, at the Western Fair. Mm -hmm. And going from doing a normal show to finishing a show and seeing all these parents getting emotional in the audience, yeah. is, is a huge shift. And I, after yeah. that show, I had a parent come up to me with a little girl, and the little girl just kept saying, like, you know, wow, and I haven't met Superman. I can't believe Superman's here. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you actually have superpowers too. I don't know if you know this, but you're a magical princess. The second I called her a little princess, a magical princess, after she called me Superman, yeah. oh my God, this little girl was clapping Aww. and hugging her mom and dad and biggest smile in the world. Wow. Just because, you know, I called her. Yeah. And she looked, she was in really rough shape. And I called her a princess and I treated her like a princess. And mm -hmm. that's huge. Yeah. And even um, I was doing the show a couple of years back out in Winnipeg and it was for about 20 
teenagers, and they were all in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. So they all had volunteers moving them around the fair. And after the show, the volunteers asked if they could all come up and get a picture. So mm-hmm. I said, yeah, make a line, and I'll you know, give everyone a prize one by one, and we'll take a big photo. So I'm shaking you know, everyone's hand or giving them a prize mm-hmm. if they can't move their hand. And so, you know, talking to each one for 15 seconds. Yeah. And this guy comes up to me, and he's in the wheelchair, and he looks, looks about like 30. Yeah. And he goes, and I go to give him a prize, a magic ball. And he's not taking it, so I put it in his hands, and he takes my hands when I put it in his hand. He holds my hand, and he goes, and he puts his head up, and he looks at me. And he goes, I've been blind my whole life. He's like, you described everything in your show so beautifully, I felt like I could see everything. And I couldn't even fucking breathe after I heard that. (laughs) I could not breathe after hearing that. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) And it is really rewarding that, like, you can take someone and give them an experience that they remember, something that they can't experience anywhere else. And that is a really uh, big and important thing with giving back. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Like, when you have, like, gifts that, uh, you know, you worked on and everything and you're focusing on yourself, it's nice to give it back to. we're performers. That's the, that's what we do. That's what we're that's what we're trained to do. That's that's why we do it because we like to perform. But doing this specifically is so different, and you just get so much more reward out of it. I feel because you get the reaction of these people and the gratitude that these people have and that share with you, and your it just it warms your heart so much. So yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's the thing that a lot of performers along the way start to forget um like why they started doing it in the first place mm-hmm. um beyond just oh this is what i love to do it's um i want to give back and like helping people uh when i do like close-up magic even for kids um just even even if they don't say oh you inspired me just seeing them like laugh for like a few seconds mm-hmm. you know it just like makes you appreciate just like oh like i actually am doing something yeah even if they won't remember it tomorrow like at least in this moment they're happy and i did it Right, you remind yourself why you why you do what you do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's tie everything back to the greatest movie of all time. The Greatest Showman. <laughs> <laughs> the, it is a great movie. It's, There's yeah. a quote by uh, P.T. Barnum, <laughs> who Hugh Jackman plays, and it goes, um, the noblest art is that of making others happy. And there really is nothing more noble, and there's nothing more selfless them giving back and then bringing a smile because why do we have a job in life why does someone go to work it's so they can do something that makes them happy so they can go on that vacation that makes them happy exactly we live our life to be happy Mm -hmm. so if you can give that happiness back that's something huge and that's something that i want everyone to remember and something to think about exactly yeah how many smiles did you give out this week how many people did you make smile How many people did you impact in each show? And if you really think about that, that's going to change the way you you perform. Mm -hmm. You're going to be grateful every time you walk on the stage. Mm -hmm. And that gratefulness shows. Mm -hmm. And it it really does. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I think we we talked a lot about hospitals and about ballet and everything. So we're going to wrap this up right now. Now, Emil, do you have any closing points to share? Anything you took away from today's episode? Yeah, my, like, I guess the general takeaway for me was um, to kind of, uh, focus less on the I'm going to do a show and try to make money and just the gratitude portion of it just like you know, do it to make someone happy not just because you want to make a profit exactly yeah and why do we perform we perform and we do it for a living because it's fun right because we like doing it and if you're grateful then you're just going to love it even more exactly. it's going to make that that much more fun mm-hmm. that's why we do what we do yeah 
For sure. Naomi, do you have any closing points? Anything else you want to share about ballet? Any last words of advice? Um, hard work pays off. And yeah, just remember why you do what you do. Because you ultimately do it because you love it. And um, you're not going to suffer for it. So right. um, yeah, be grateful for what you have. And uh, yeah, enjoy every minute of it. All right, Aaron, what's your takeaway, man? My takeaway... I was very entertained. This has been the Entertain Us Podcast. My name is Aaron Matthews. My name is Emil Daniel. And I'm Naomi Bilak. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Toodles. Bye. Peace.